What you gonna do, brother? New WWF figures got the power. Dad, is it my turn yet? It's only been ten minutes. It's been four hours. What's up with that? Oh my god! Hey yo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 13 of the WrestleGeddon Podcast. I am, as always, your most illustrious host, Chris the Heat Matthews. And back to invade your ear holes once again this week. Oh boy, oh boy, am I feeling better. Oh, last week I had to take the week off. Was not feeling good. Truth be told, I felt like complete and total shit. Um, burning eyes, stuffy, runny nose, cough. I could barely talk without coughing, like... Even at work, dude, like anytime I tried to do something and it was just coughing nonstop. So it was not fun, um, but with a little bit of a rest. And we are back this week. Got a whole lot of stuff to talk about. And man, oh man, what a fan fucking tastic time it is right now to be a wrestling fan. Oh my God. But we're going to get into that a little bit later. But first, let's jump in to the news hotline fans i have got a hotline rumor for you the number what's the number let me call the number in the hoaxers hotline you may do so by dialing one 945 all right so here we go about a little bump there for the news man that the week off i had some time to work on some shit so pretty excited about that i really love that but um let's break it down we've got a couple of wwe superstars that are looking to return to the company uh, one with the company, one possibly not with the company, but doing something related to WWE. Um, John Morrison, uh, John Hennigan, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, whatever you want to call him now, um, possibly looking to return to WWE. Uh, of course, he last wrestled in 2011. Uh, Morrison is a former Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion. Um, all the news reports, everything, rumors running around that Morrison has signed a contract with wwe but he has yet to confirm anything um and wwe hasn't confirmed anything so morrison coming back if that is true if morrison does come back what brand would be best suited for him uh, me personally i would love to see him on nxt he would add a little bit more star power to the brand um to what already the you know star power that they have especially if they're trying to combat against aew as far as ratings go things like that um, I think Morrison would be, honestly, he'd be an asset to any brand, you know, Fox with SmackDown or raw either one, but I think NXT would be the best spot for him. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. And obviously I don't work for WWE. If I did, I wouldn't be doing a podcast every week, uh, where I don't make any money at all. I just do this to talk about wrestling and things like that. And I have like eight people that listen to it. So yeah, but I digress anyway. Um, <clears throat> uh, CM Punk uh, is looking to actually has inked a deal with Fox Sports 1 for the WWE series backstage. Uh, now, this is not a WWE produced show. This is produced by Fox. It is a Fox show um, that Fox is doing to talk about the WWE, all the happenings of WWE, things like that. So for Punk to appear on the show, um, it seems feasible since it's he's just talking about wrestling, which he does occasionally anyway. You know, he'll tweet some things. Um, I know he still talks about it at you know any autograph signings that he does, which mostly is like uh, C2E2 in Chicago. Uh, but having Punk, honestly, I would watch WWE backstage. I had zero interest in this at all until I saw that Punk had um, they had Punk come in and do an audition tape for it. Now I will actually sit. And watch CM Punk talk about wrestling for two hours. You no, know, those who know me know I am a huge CM Punk fan. He is one of my top three favorite superstar superstars of all time, um, with the Macho Man and the Shane Hurricane Helms. I know it's a weird list of you know favorite superstars, but hey, that's me. That's my list. You can suck it. Um, so yeah, so those are the two superstars that are looking to possibly return to affiliation with WWE in some way, some shape or form. Um, some other news we've got 205 live is moving to Fridays, uh, starting, I think this week, actually is either this week or next week, but, um, 
Uh, they'll tape an air after SmackDown. Uh, it was also noted by Triple H in an interview recently that 205 is still under the NXT, um, will be under the NXT umbrella, um, and NXT Creative will run the, the the show for 205. Hence why we've been getting, we got the Cruiserweight title number one contendership match between Oni Lorcan and the returning Leo Rush last week. And then next week's NXT, we will have the Cruiserweight Championship match between Drew Gulak and Leo Rush. So looking forward to that and looking forward to the NXT creative team um, just taking 205 Live to that next level. Uh, some other news in wrestling moving. Um, of course, we all know Impact is going to be on Axis. Um, that actually started on 10-29, uh, 10-1, October 1st, which was this past Tuesday. Um, Access broadcasted their homecoming pay-per-view. Um, yeah, uh, Rebellion on 10-8. So next week they'll be showing their um, Rebellion pay-per-view. Uh, Slammiversary 12 on the 15th. A This is Impact special on October 22nd. And then Impact will air on October 29th. So we'll start. So those of you who have access, you're very fortunate to have impact back on a cable channel that you can actually watch so enjoy that um unfortunately i will not be able to get that because access is not carried by spectrum and i'm not downloading twitch to watch wrestling on a freaking uh streaming gaming streaming app or whatever so yeah so there's that um also had nwa tapings this week as well for their um yet to be announced yet to be aired tv show there's no date announced for that at all but one spoiler coming out of that and it was a huge spoiler um the rock and roll express became nine time nwa tag team champions uh defeating the team of the wild cards so that was pretty cool um the rock and roll express of course we all know wwe hall of famers they are synonymous with tag team wrestling they're one of the greatest tag team wrestling tag team wrestlers of all time they are in pretty much if they're not in your top five they're at least in your top 10 every wrestling fan knows the rock and roll express so that's awesome that they became nine-time tag team champions especially at their age so that is pretty cool um, the NWA has also redesigned the women's championship. So it's got a very nostalgic look to it. Um, so it's kind of, it'll have like the picture of the, the current women's champion on the belt, like the old school belts used to have. So it's very reminiscent of when Mildred Burke held the title back in the day. So it's actually pretty cool. I'm very excited for that. Um, let's move on to AEW. Of course, AEW had their debut episode Wednesday night. They actually beat WWE in the ratings. It was 114 million for the viewership. Uh, WWE had 819,000, if I remember correctly. So it was not a huge gap, but it was it was pretty good. And you know, we kind of figured that AEW would pull in a pretty pretty big number for their premiere episode, just because people want to check it out and see what's you know what it's all about especially those who weren't able to watch any of the events like fighter fest or fight for fallen uh that were broadcasted for free on the uh, the bleacher report app so pretty cool on uh, wwe actually took the high ground and congratulated aew uh, via twitter um and to quote that tweet they said congratulations to aew on a successful premiere the real winners of last night's head-to-head telecast of NXT on USA Network and AEW on TNT are the fans who can expect Wednesday nights to be a competitive and wild ride as this is a marathon, not a one-night sprint. So, of course, I still had to get a shot in there, but you know it was actually cool WWE to acknowledge um, AEW and give them some props on their, on their successful debut last night. Um, so we'll get into more of the AEW in a little bit. Uh, we're going to jump into some figure news. Pretty excited about some stuff that's coming out here. Uh, Figures Toy Company has debuted the head sculpt for Roosh, who is, um, which we'll get into a little later as well, your new Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, defeating Matt Taven at their event last weekend. Um, some awesome, some more cool stuff too. Boss Fight Studios had showed off at a convention Last weekend, the prototype for Pentagon and a concept art for the first ever mass Conan figure. So the figures based off Conan's run in Japan were, or not in Japan, sorry, Mexico. I don't know why I got Japan in my mind. That's probably something I was thinking about later. Um, 
is based off his run in Mexico when he wore a mask. Uh, so that's pre WWF days is Max Moon. So it's pretty cool. The concept art is freaking amazing for it, and really great figures. And they they are to scale with your with your Mattel Elite figures. But speaking of elites. Uh, the WWE Network Spotlight figures of uh, starting to show up at Target. Now, they were initially street dated for October 6th, uh, mainly to do with um, Target's deal with Entertainment Earth, where they will be available at New York Comic Con first and then able to be purchased um, that Sunday after the convention. Uh, but the street date has been lifted. Uh, you can purchase them now. There were some issues where there was no street date, then there was a street date, but there's no street date now. Uh, figures in that set include Diesel. Oscar, Jinder Mahal, and Rey Mysterio. Um, now, I'm giving you a scoop here. This is strictly rumor. I'm not 100% if this is sure. But on Target's handheld systems, on their Zebras, or my devices, or whatever you want to call them, there are four other figures showing up um, instead of the four that initially were released. Uh, the figures that are showing up, which could possibly be, possibly be Wave 2, but I'm not 100% sure, um, Wendy Richter, so the long canceled Wendy Richter that's supposed to be in that three pack, um, may finally f- see a release through the network spotlight line um, at Target. We have a Matt Hardy, a Kurt Angle, and a Ricochet. So that's pretty cool. Um, also on store exclusives, the Survivor Series set has popped up in Walmart, which has Don Morocco, um, Jeff Hardy. Alicia Fox, and uh, I can't remember who the fourth one was off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I apologize for that. Um, also, had some new packaging, and the sound of that was Heath Slater just jumping off my shelf. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Here's the second one that's fallen since I've been down here. Oh, <laughs> uh, they got some loose joints, loose ankle joints, but it's all good. I'll pick them up when I'm done. <laughs> uh, new packaging shown on WWE.com, um, which will start with Basic 102 and Elite 72. Really awesome packaging. Um, five, five, six years, Mattel changes up their packaging just to make their product stand out more on the shelves. Um, I'm a little... the Elite 72, Velveteen Dream, I'm a little disappointed with the ring attire that they went with. Um, of course, if you watch NXT this past week, he did wear that attire on NXT, but it was kind of shown off before the actual before he actually wore the attire. I was really, really hoping we were going to get the NWO Hollywood Hogan-inspired attire that he wore at one of the takeovers. I just was really hoping for a figure like that. So maybe sometime down the line, maybe like a network spotlight figure or something like that, maybe we can get that Hollywood Hogan-inspired attire. Uh, Storm Collectibles had their Yushin Liger figure on display at New York Comic Con this weekend. Uh, that will be available for Ringside Collectibles. It is... Um, a really phenomenal figure. It's right up there with the Hollywood Hogan that Storm Collectibles did, and of course the other Hogan figures. Um, it has a detailed cloth cape. The mask looks phenomenal. The ring attire looks phenomenal. And if you have any of the Storm Collectibles Hogan figures, you know that they scale very well with the Mattel figures. So that is definitely one that you need to add to your collection. I will definitely be adding that Yushin Liger to my setup. So um, That is pretty much all I've got for the news. So let's break it down and jump into recaps of what happened this week. Um, we're going to start off here actually with Ring of Honor uh, since that came first and that was on Saturday. Um, so that was Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor. Uh, we had the pre show Jeff Cobb taking on Brody King. Uh, Jeff Cobb won by pinfall. Uh, Beer City Bruiser and Brian Malonis, aka the Bouncers. Uh, took on the team of Silas Young and Vinny Marcella. Uh, the Bouncers won via pinfall. Uh, Jay Lethal taking on Jonathan Gresham. Gresham won via submission. Uh, Colt Cabana versus Marty Skrull in the final battle number one contenders tournament match. Uh, Marty Skrull won by pin. Uh, Kenny King versus PCO in another final battle number one contenders tournament match. PCO picked up the win on that one. Uh, Angelina Love defeated Kelly Klein via pinfall to become the new Women Women of Honor champion. Um, Triple threat match, Shane Taylor retained the ROH TV title against Tracy Williams and Flip Gordon. And the Briscoes versus Mark Haskins and Bandito of Lifeblood retained. 
And of course, as I mentioned earlier, Roosh defeated Matt Taven via pinfall and is now your new Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. So, pretty cool. Ring of Honor still puts on some great shows. It's just a weekly TV show sucks. It's really hard to watch it when you get like one match and, and it's just like a bunch of clips. I, I don't want a clip show. I want a wrestling show. That's why I watched Ring of Honor was to see some of my favorite Ring of Honor superstars. But can't do that anymore because now we just want to show highlights of shit and I want to see actual matches. Not just one match. Like You got a full hour. You can give me a full hour's worth of matches. But whatevs. So, there is Ring of Honor. Um, we're gonna get, we're gonna take a quick break. Then we're gonna get into Raw, NXT, AEW. Go over some uh, preview for SmackDown, uh, Hell in the Cell preview. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Masters of Ring event from September twenty first um, that I attended, and we got some other stuff. So stay tuned. We will be right back. What's up, everyone? This is Chris the Heat Matthews, the host of the WrestleGeddon Podcast. And I want to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast and they give you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we are back. So here we go. Let's jump into Monday Night Raw. Uh, Raw was actually... It was kind of a letdown, honestly, for being a season premiere and a go-home show for a pay-per-view. I I just, oh, it was, I don't know. But I did like the new video package at the beginning. The new stage is awesome. And the return of Pyro, oh my god, that got me pumped as soon as that that Pyro hit at the beginning. Uh, The new commentary team with uh, Vic Johnson, was it Vic Johnson, Dio Madden, and uh, Jerry the King Lawler. They didn't seem to gel well for me um but i know it's like their first time actually together doing commentary so they're gonna need a little bit of time to you know find their groove and things like that but i think it wasn't bad it wasn't great it was just like there were some like awkward silence moments throughout the night and king was just saying like random shit just to fill it in but i mean you gotta do something you can't have dead air and i'm sure um you know vince was in his ear saying like say something but who knows uh, we started off the show with Mysterio hyping the universal title match between him and Rollins, and he talks about you know how he wouldn't be in the position that he is right now if his son didn't talk him about talk him out of retirement. Um, of course, Lesnar comes out to interrupt, and Lesnar just destroys every fucking buddy in the ring. Takes out Mysterio, takes out Dominic, um, ends up sending Dominic to the hospital. So we're not getting Mysterio versus Rollins tonight uh, for Monday night, which is unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, next up we had Sasha versus Alexa. Uh, Becky was on commentary, and really, like the, it was just a throwaway match. Honestly, it was just more just to build up Becky and Sasha for Hell in the Cell, which is fine. You know, you need matches like this, and you know that's cool. Um, then we had the Raw Tag Team Championship match, which is actually a pretty solid matchup. Um, I still don't understand how heavy machinery is getting a title shot when they've literally done nothing the last few weeks to get a title shot, especially with the WW with the raw tag team championship. Uh, but thankfully Dolph and Rude retained. I really like the team of uh, Ziggler and Robert Rude. So very entertaining with the two of them. Uh, Ms. TV was just a complete total waste just to announce and promote a match for a crown jewel with team Hogan and team flair, something impact did years ago. Honestly, I don't give a shit about this. You have a pay-per-view coming up Sunday night, and you have three fucking matches announced for it. What the fuck is going on at Hell in the Cell? All I know is we're getting The Fiend and Rollins for the Universal title inside the Hell in the Cell, Becky and Sasha for the Raw Women's title inside Hell in the Cell, and we're getting a tag team match between Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan taking on the team of Harper and Rowan. So I... I don't get it. Like, why are we not promoting your pay-per-view that's coming up on Sunday? Instead, we're promoting some bullshit event that hardly anybody's going to watch fucking watch anyway. I mean, if 
fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, this whole thing went down. All this other shit. You know, they announced the the team, a couple of the team members for Team Flair, Team Hogan. One of them was Rusev, who came out uh, join Rollins, save Rollins from getting beat down by Orton and Corbin, and you know, so it's Rollins and Rusev on Team Hogan and. Corbin and Orton on Team Flair. Really, who really gives a shit? I I really don't. Um, we have a segment with Rusev backstage, and he's asking, you know, where's Lana? Blah blah blah. Um, really brushes that question off. So he doesn't want to talk about his personal life, but he challenges Rollins for tonight since Mysterio is unable to appear. Um, we get another awesome Authors of Pain segment. Um, we get Viking Raiders versus Gallows and Anderson again. Um, Viking Raiders pick up the win. We get Ricochet and Cesaro again. Ricochet wins. Uh, we get a Firehouse Fun uh, Firefly Funhouse segment, uh, which appears Rambling Rabbit has been killed again. Um, you know, Bray is talking about the Universal Title match, and he says it's okay to be scared because he is too. He said there's nothing like Hell in the Cell. Going to that, we go to the uh, a U.S. Title match with um, AJ Styles. Taking on Cedric Alexander. Of course, Styles retains. Uh, we get Lacey Evans taking on Natalia again. Uh, Lacey wins again. Um, Universal title match ends up going to a no contest. Uh, Bobby Lashley returns for a very with a very awkward segment with Lana, which just seemed weird and something that we really didn't need to see. Um, which leads to the Fiend attacking Rollins as Raw goes off the air with Bray doing his signature laugh. It was just... Raw was just a letdown. Like, I really expected more out of the show. And it's like, because I expected more, it under-delivered for me. And like I said, that Miz TV segment was just a total waste of time, and it really could have done something else with that. But um, NXT... NXT was another great show. Um, we had, of course, opening matchup was... Adam Cole taking on Matt Riddle in an absolute freaking amazing matchup between the two of them. Riddle actually has big star potential. It's just maybe his attitude needs to change a little bit for him to you know make that next leap there. Um, of course, during this match, end of this matchup, after um, Adam Cole had retained, uh, Finn Balor had come out and said that Balor, from this point forward, Balor is NXT. So we have Finn Balor returning to the NXT brand on a permanent basis. Super excited for that. Glad to see Balor in a position where he'll be able to thrive and be featured more than on the main roster between Raw and SmackDown. Like, really, NXT is not a demotion for anybody. Like, me personally, I think people would want to go to NXT, uh, which is why Finn came back and why Finn's on NXT, why we saw Fandango and Tyler Breeze go back to NXT. It just it makes sense. You want to wrestle, you want to be with some of the top notch competitors. NXT is the place to be. Um, plus, we have uh, Shayna Baszler defeated Candice LeRae, um, retaining the women's title match. Women's <laughs> the women's title. Um, we saw like the other big matchup was the tag team championships on Disputed Era with help from uh, Roddy. Um, retaining the titles on there and the best part of the show aside from Finn returning the return of Chamaso Champa stare down Adam Cole on the stage Champa is back daddy is home looking to reclaim his gold oh I cannot wait to see Champa versus Adam Cole for the NXT heavyweight championship that is going to be an awesome matchup and I'm super psyched for that and it's going to be so awesome um, so yeah, that was NXT. There were some other matches that happened to really nothing noteworthy. Um, we had a Velveteen Dream segment. Uh, you had Johnny Gargano taking on Shane Thorne, which Gargano picked up the win on that one. Uh, Mia Yim taking on Io Shirai. Of course, Shirai picked up the win over Yim. So just, you know, filler matches, things like that. But, you know, they're still really good matches. So if you get a chance to watch those, if you haven't yet, go back and check those out. Um, AEW was actually a pretty, it was a pretty good show. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the wrestling aspect of it. I can see, you know, I've been reading a lot that some people were kind of confused as to where a lot of the stuff was coming from. Um, they did mention a lot in commentary. So if you, 
you have a tendency like I do sometimes to tune out the commentary team. You kind of miss like some of the stuff that was being put together. Um, Cody versus Sammy Guevara was actually a really good match, and it was a great opening match for the event. Um, you know, Cody picked up the ring, picked up the win um, with a uh, inside cradle for the three count, and then Jericho hits the ring and attacks Cody. Um, Jericho was defending the title at was it full gear against um, against Cody, so that's part of the reason why Jericho attacked Cody. Uh, let's see, second match of the night, you had Brandon Cutler taking on MJF. Um, MJF is gold on the mic. Like this dude is amazing. He can kill it in the ring. He kills it on the mic every single time. A really solid matchup with this. MJF pretty much had control of the entire match. Um, Cutler did this backflip out of the corner, and like towards the beginning of the match, he just slapped MJF across the face. It was pretty awesome. Um, Cutler hits a suicide dive later on in the match, um, landing with a Fez press. Uh, but MJF did pick up the win via submission. Um, really good match. It did showcase more of MJF, but a Cutler did get some good spots in there. So pretty awesome. And then you've got two of my favorites, Jane Salabov, Kevin Smith, and Jason Muse at ringside. Snooch to the motherfucking nooch. Um, they're pretty much there basically promoting uh, the Jane Silent Bob reboot movie, which, of course, has Chris Jericho in there in a uh, pretty prominent role as the, the bad guy of the film. Um, of course, out comes Jack Evans and Helico. Uh, and then Private Party comes out. So it's basically a spot just to promote some of the tag teams that were there as the announced team put over the, the tag team tournament that starts next week. Uh, we had a uh, SCU promo video after that, and then SCU was out on the stage being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Um, and then the Lucha Brothers come out. Um, of course, we get the whole um, Cerro Miedo uh, stint from Pentagon. And then we just got like a pretty much a uh, brawl between the two of those teams. Uh, Adam Page took on the Bastard Pac on a match that we were supposed to get it at double or nothing. Really great matchup. You know, Pac ended up picking the win with a, a low-blowed low Page, hit the Black Arrow, and then um, locked him into a submission hold. So uh, Pac won by submission on that one. Uh, Nile Nia Rose taking on Rio uh, was after that for the Women's Championship. Uh, Rio actually picked up the win to become the first ever AEW Women's Champion. Uh, after the match, uh, Nyla kind of beat down, started to beat down Rio until Kenny Omega made the save, uh, which brings us into the main event, which is kind of a big clusterfuck, honestly. Um, you had the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on Jericho and Santana and Ortiz, the former LAX. Um, during the matchup, Moxley appears and attacks Omega. Uh, Jericho and LAX picked up the win, picked up a quick win. So that ends up breaking down the total chaos. Um, as you get like Sammy Guevara comes out, Cody Rhodes comes out, Dustin Rhodes comes out. Um, you know, LAX is out there beating down, beating down these guys. Um, and then all of a sudden we get, uh, Jack Swagger shows up out of nowhere. Uh, in all honesty, you have, um, you know, we go off the air with Jericho, MJF, Jack, H Jake Hager, LAX and Sammy Guevara standing over the faces. Um, like that, that's your big debut for a debut episode is Jack fucking swagger. Like the bigger than Jack swagger. Like, God, seriously, that that wasn't that impactful of a debut, honestly, for me, especially on a debut episode. Like, I was more pumped to see Finn Balor show up on NXT and Ciampa show up on NXT. Like, even though I knew Ciampa was eventually going to come back. But it's just, like, who cares about swagger? Like, nobody does. So, what else, you know? You do you, AEW. You do you. But uh, there was a table spot. Yeah, a spot with um, John Moxley and Kenny Omega actually looked really bad. And that's probably one of my nitpicky things. But um, I've had like this little glass coffee table back in like this little office area, and uh, Moxley hit the um, the dirty deeds on Omega. But the reason why it looked bad is because when Mox picked up Omega to drop him with the dirty deeds, he lifted him up, but Moxley's back went through the table before Omega even made any contact with it. And, and that's the thing. So the table is already broken by the time that Omega 
had gone through the table. So it just looked bad. Like a DDT into a table is not really effective unless it's actually on the table itself. So if you're doing it to the floor, like it just didn't look that great to me. Um, but overall, I enjoyed the show. Um, like I had their other events that I've watched, you know, Fighter Fest, Fight for Fallen. The the wrestling was fantastic. I really can't complain anything about that at all. It was just it was a great show. Um, I just out of the two of them, I liked NXT a little bit more. Um, but hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm I'm gonna watch both regardless every week. Um, either you know through watching on Hulu or WWE Network through DVR, something like that. I mean, I'm going to watch both shows. That's because I love wrestling and it's okay. You can be a fan of both shows. You can be a fan of WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, AEW, fucking NWA, whatever you want. You can be a fan of wrestling. It's cool. You don't have to pick a side. You don't have to be, I'm WWE or I'm AEW. It doesn't matter. Wrestling is wrestling. Just sit back and enjoy it. We have entered... Another golden age of wrestling. We have not had this since Nitro went off the air in like fucking 2001. It we ha- we we have so much wrestling content out there now that it really is. Like I said, it is a golden age of wrestling. We, there, I'm like speechless. I'm at a loss for words on how how excited I am and how, how great this is to see this resurgence of professional wrestling again, to see wrestling back on TNT after 20 years of nothing being there and seeing Cody Rhodes come out there and take on Sammy Guevara in an amazing opening contest and then flip over and watch NXT, you know, later on, you know, through DVR or what, what have you, or if you're flipping back and forth to see Matt Riddle and Adam Cole tear the house down in an NXT championship match as their opening matchup. It's only going to get better from here. Like that, that's the only place we have to go is up. Competition is going to bring out the best in both of these shows and it's going to happen. We just got to give it time. We got to give time for everything to develop. We, it's not just going to happen overnight. Now that these two shows, NXT and AEW, are going head-to-head every week, each brand is going to do what they can, whatever they can, to bring their A-game every single week. And that's what I want. There needed to be a change. Someone had to force a change. And that is exactly what Cody, Omega, the Bucks, the Elite have done when they created All Elite Wrestling And once they got that TV deal, it was to create change. And that's what happened. So for those of you who have access, access TV, you have wrestling on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday night. You have Ring of Honor's shitty clip show on Saturday and Sunday during replays. And I think it actually comes on Mondays too. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. And once NWA announces their TV deal, you have that as well. You have stuff on YouTube like MLW. There, there's so much stuff out there that that can be watched and just consumed as a wrestling fan. Like I said, it is a golden age of wrestling. And we can be a fan of all of it. It doesn't mean we have to pick a side. It doesn't mean we have to fight a war. It doesn't mean we have to draw battle lines. Be a fan and enjoy it. So, on that note, uh, we're going to jump into um, a local event that we went to. I've discussed it numerous times on the show over the past few weeks. Masters of Ring Entertainment. Uh, This was a charity event which took place down in Keenansville, North Carolina. This was on September 21st. So, it was a couple weeks ago. I was actually going to talk about this on last week's program, of course. But, like you all know, I was sick. So, here we go. Let's break it down. This actually was a really fun show. This had one of the best cards of any independent show that I have seen in a long time. Um, It was just great. Like the wrestling was amazing. Every match on here delivered. It was really fun and really entertaining. Um, Now myself and my boy Garrett Munn, G Money, uh, we had volunteered for the event, so we were um, working the show as well as volunteers. Um, We got paired up with some of the talent. Um, I myself was with. Eli Drake, yeah, dummy, yeah. I was really excited about that, and um, Garrett got paired up with uh, Mr. Anderson. So, lots of cool stuff. Like, 
Um, my main goal for this was the the title match between Victoria and uh, Lisa Marie Varon and Mar- Melina Perez um, ended up being Lisa Marie Varon's last professional wrestling match. Um, this was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to go. Uh, Lisa Marie Varon is one of my all-time favorite women's wrestlers. Um, since she debuted with WWF um, alongside like Stevie Richards, um, I was an instant fan. I thought she was phenomenal in the ring. She carried a pretty good promo, um, which got better over time. She put on some great matches with you know the likes of Trish Stratus and Molly Holly, um, just to name a few. Lita. And I've met her previously a couple of years ago. Of course, I've seen her wrestle through WWE live events and things like that. And she's just very entertaining, very nice person. One, one of the greatest people that I have met. Um, she's right up there with, you know, I've met China, I've met Roddy Piper, Sergeant Slaughter, Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, all those guys were just amazing to meet and very cool to meet. Um, we've met Trish Stratus. She was amazing as well. Um, and Lisa Marie Varon is right up there with her. Um, but this ended up being her last professional wrestling match, and I wanted to be there to see it. Um, but yeah, it was a great card. Uh, the opening match, uh, of course, we had you know a couple locals. We had Samantha Starr taking on Sahara Seven. Uh, Samantha Starr, if you're not familiar with Samantha Starr, she is actually Jake the Snake Roberts' niece. Um, and she actually uses the DDT as her finisher. Um, so she ended up picking up the win over Sahara Seven with uh, the DDT. Uh, we had an invitational battle royal where the winner uh, went on to face uh, Victor Andrews and Buku Dao in a triple threat match. Uh, this was uh, won by a gentleman named Dewan O'Neill, uh, who won the match after eliminating uh, ECW original C.W. Anderson. Uh, the only complaint I have with this is I think that um, C.W. Anderson was wasted in this battle royal. Um, if Honestly, if he wasn't going to be victorious in this, I really didn't really see the point in putting him in there, especially since he was the biggest name in the match. Um, the next match after that to open up the actual the main show, uh, we saw, saw the franchise, Shane Douglas with Francine, taking on Stevie Richards. Um, Shane Douglas picked up the win. Honestly, I think this should have been a triple threat match. Um between three ECW originals with uh, Douglas Richards and C.W. Anderson. I think that would have probably been a little more enjoyable and a little more entertaining than having Anderson wasted in that battle royal. Um, then, of course, we had the triple threat match for with Victor Andrews, whose ring attire on my ad was freaking phenomenal. It was like Power Rangers themed. It was awesome. Um, it took on Dewan O'Neill and Buku Dao. Uh, Buku Dao actually picked up the win for that one. Uh, then we had Ken Anderson taking on Eli Drake. Um, Eli picked up the win. Very entertaining matchup. Both guys ended up hitting the, like their opening shtick. It, it was just awesome to see. Uh, and then you saw the the chairman of AEW, Sean Spears, taking on Billy Gunn. Um, pretty much a lot of these matches were first time ever matches as well. Um, believe it or not, Shane Douglas and Stevie Richards, first time these guys have wrestled each other, and they've been in this. They were in the same company for years. Their, their paths just never crossed. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, Sean Spears versus Billy Gunn, first time ever. Um, Billy Gunn picked up the win. You know, he did his normal, you know, DX stick, stuff like that. Um, one of the best matches of the night um, outside the women's championship match was uh, Chavo Guerrero taking on TJ Perkins. Everything you would expect from the two of these guys. Um, Chavo ended up picking up the win, um, hitting the frog splash over TJP. Just a great matchup, and Chavo did put over blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Chavo put over TJP at the end of the match as well. I'm um, talking about how TJP would be the future of the business, stuff like that. So it was it was pretty solid. Um, triple threat match for the Masters of the Ring Entertainment Heavyweight Championship. Um, defending champion the Cowboy James Storm taking on the Machine Brian Cage and former WWE superstar Darren Young, also known as Fred Rosser. Um, Cage ended up picking the win on that and becoming your new Masters of the Ring heavyweight champion. And, of course, the main event, um, the final matchup for myself, uh, for Lisa Marie Varon taking on Melina Perez to crown the inaugural Masters of the Ring Entertainment Women's Champion. Um, Lisa did announce before the match that this was going to be her final matchup. Uh, she She got to pick her final opponent, which was Melina. 
Um, Lisa did pick up the win with the Widdle's Peak to become the women's champion. It was a phenomenal matchup, and then you know they were able to get a video package from Trish, who congratulated Lisa on her win and put her career over. Um, basically saying that Lisa is a future WWE Hall of Famer, and it's true. Like Lisa Marie Varen is a future Hall of Famer, and I believe she should go into the Hall of Fame over the next couple of years, something. But it was it was a great matchup, and overall the card was great. I had a lot of fun, especially being a volunteer. It was super cool um, to sit there and hang out with Eli Drake. Um, I had him at my table, which I was mainly just assigned to him. I think some of the volunteers didn't show up. Um, so I was basically handling in line for Eli Drake, um, TJ Perkins, who was seated next to Eli Drake. I had Terry Runnels at the table next to them and Lisa Marie Varen at the, at the same table with Terry. And then I had Billy Gunn and Sean Spears, which interesting enough, Billy Gunn was a little, little PO that he, that he was put at the table with Sean Spears when they were supposed to be working a match together later that night, which I agree with Billy. Makes no sense. If these guys are supposed to be working together, why would you seat them together? Just saying, you know, a uh, little bit of little tidbit there. But um, it was a fun show, and it was cool actually just sitting there interacting with Eli Drake um, and TJ Perkins and just listening to these guys talk about, you know, stuff like on the road, things like that, and just business stuff. It, it was actually pretty cool, and I had a really good time doing it. I'm, I don't volunteer for nothing. Like, in all honesty... If I'm not getting paid, I ain't fucking doing it. So that that's just me. But it was for a good cause. It helped benefit a charity. And I just really wanted to you know, give it a shot and try something new. And I actually had a lot of fun. It was a really great show. Um, but yeah, so we're going to take a quick break. I've got a couple segments I want to get into. We also got some fan questions. Got some local events coming up. Um, so yeah, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. So I've got a couple segments I want to get into, and then um, fan questions, local events, and of course your trivia question. So yeah, the trivia question was actually a pretty good one, so hope you all were able to guess it. So here we go. Um, this segment is something that I used to do when I was doing YouTube um, recap shows um, under my alter ego, Uno Mas Taco. This is something that I like to call, What Crunches My Taco? So... is my taco it's kind of a take on family guys you know what really grinds my gears episode that you know peter griffin would do when he worked for the news company basically it's a take on that but um i call it what crunches my taco so you know what really crunches my taco entitled collectors you know who you are and for those of us who work retail we know who these people are we know who you are when you come into the store, we know exactly who you are. We know what you're going to do. We know what you want. You're the type of person that's going to walk into the store looking for a certain figure. And if we don't have it, or if the store doesn't have them, you're going to piss and moan on social media. You're going to call that. You're going to call them a fat shit employee who doesn't know what they're talking about or can't find this, can't find that, can't do this, or probably a scalper holding them behind the counter for themselves. Or bought them all as soon as you left the store because they couldn't find them. Look, it's a fucking toy. Like, in all honesty. If for some reason you have anxiety over not finding a figure that you're looking for, then you're in the wrong fucking hobby. And you should probably seek therapy for your issues. Like, in all honesty. If, if you have anxiety over finding a piece of plastic in a store... Maybe you should go to coin collecting or collect stamps or go fucking collect butterflies or something. Maybe that's what your pansy ass needs to do instead of wasting people's time in the store pissing and moaning because the store employee couldn't find something or 
you just want to get on social media and bitch and call him a fat shit employee or, you know, a fucking scalper or what have you. Legit, there are there are people who work in these stores, and in all honesty, aren't paid that much to care, are just there to do their job, which is either stock the shelf, go do something else, who knows? Like you cut them some slack. They're not an expert. They don't know. Most I'd probably say eight out of ten employees have no idea what you're talking about, and really don't care. Because it's not important to them. It's important to you. It's important to me as a collector. But it's not important to them as a retail worker. As someone who works retail. As someone who's trying to make a living. They don't want to go to work and listen to you piss and moan. Because the latest action figure is not on the shelf for you to purchase. Because one, it's probably still on the truck and hasn't been taken off the truck yet. Two, it could have gotten lost in the shipment. Three, a box that came in probably had the wrong label on it, and it wasn't even that right. Store not having that specific toy that you're looking for. So stop being a dick, cut people with some slack, and like I said, if you have anxiety over finding a figure, go find a fucking new hobby. Maybe you should go fucking lay down on the field somewhere and start a cloud journal. Stop being a bitch. And that is what crunches my fucking taco. Entitled fucking collectors. Assholes. Okay. So. I tell you, let me tell you how I really feel. I'll tell you how I really feel. So right there. That is how I really feel. Alright. It is October. Yes folks, it is October. So it is one of my favorite times of the year. Because October has one of the greatest holidays of all time. And that is Halloween. So, over the next four weeks, I'm going to break down my top 20 horror-themed wrestlers. And we're going to kick it off this week with numbers 20 through 16. And then, of course, we'll do the next five the next week and so on and so on until we get down to number one. So, here we go. Number 20, Leatherface. Did you know Leatherface was a wrestler? Did you know that someone actually put on a Leatherface costume and was a wrestler? Well, he wrestled for a Japanese promotion called Wing. Um, he also appeared in the 1995 IWA King of the Deathmatch Tournament, which also featured Terry Funk, Terry Gordy, and Mick Foley. Uh, Wing was also known for their deathmatches, which is pretty much what the Leatherface character uh, pretty much did, and that's what that character was known for. Um, we also have, uh, so that's number 20. Number 19, Waylon Mercy. Y'all remember Waylon Mercy? Uh, before that, before he debuted in 1995 as the Waylon Mercy character, he was uh, Dan Spivey. So, uh, but the Waylon Mercy character was based off Katie in the 91 remake of Cape Fear. Uh, Macy sported a Hawaiian shirt and white pants. Um, really came off as a soft-spoken Southern gentleman. Uh, before and after his matches, um, even shaking hands with fans and thanking them for coming to watch his match. But as soon as that bell rang, he became a vicious psychopath inside the ring and just dominated and destroyed his opponents. His finisher was a sleeper hold. So he put his opponents to sleep, and as soon as the bell would ring again to signify the end of the match, he would become that soft-spoken southern gentleman again. Uh, now, Waylon Mercy... You're going to see a lot of Waylon Mercy in the previous incarnation of Bray Wyatt. Uh, very similar with the Hawaiian shirt, the white pants, um, when he first debuted. So, you know, like more of a southern accent, things like that. So there's some inspiration definitely taken from Waylon Mercy to Bray Wyatt's original character. Um, number 18, Kamala. Um, characters based off the cannibals and the headhunters. Um, Kamala once consumed a live chicken on the air. Well, freaked the shit out of so many people. Um, as a chicken dangled from his mouth, he got caught up in his beard. Um, Kamala still actually remains one of the most feared wrestlers, um, of his time frame. Uh, number 17, Damien Demento, uh, who actually was billed from the outer reaches of your mind. Very skilled wrestler at mind games and just overall being crazy. So he kind of had like a real freaky look to him and all that. So his character didn't last long, but it was enough to leave a uh, 
leave an impression on most fans. Number 16, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, right up there in the same vein as Leatherface. I only placed him a little higher because Freddy Krueger used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. Um, they actually started in the U.S., uh, the character of Freddy Krueger as a wrestler. Um, he would actually wear the bladed glove to the ring, of course, remove it for the matches. Uh, the character did move on to Japan, also wrestling for the same promotion as Leatherface, um, Wing, uh, where he became Nightmare Freddy. So there we go. And that is the, the first five in my top 20 horror-themed wrestlers. So stay tuned next week. We will have the next five, and so on and so on, until we get down to number one. Um, local events. We actually have a pretty awesome event coming up if you are going to be in the North Carolina area, specifically the High Point area, um, which is... Bond. I forgot to put a date in here. I did. I forgot to put a date in here. Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. It's actually RWA Wrestling. Uh, you can find more on rwa-wrestling.com. Uh, this is a TV taping. Uh, this is going to be at the Southside Recreation Center in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, tickets are $10. Kids 10 and under get in free with, with an adult. I actually think this is... Um, this is like two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. So, um, you've got the RWA Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the, Lig- the Living Legacy, Timothy Zabisco, uh, taking on the gift, Jason Kincaid. ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer versus the unpredictable one, Damian Wayne uh, for the RWA Extreme Championship. Chase Stevens taking on Impact Superstar, Caleb Conley. RWA Tag Team Championship match, the Gorilla Squad versus the Soul Patrol. John Schuyler, uh, the Southern Savior, uh, in an open challenge match. RWA Cruiserweight Champion, Chip Shane Martin taking on Kane Justice. You have the underrated superstar Bosworth versus LA Tank. Uh, the Triple Threat match uh, with Zuka King versus Chris Vallo versus Adam James. And, of course, the return of the RWA TV commentary team, Survivor legend Johnny Fairplay, and Matt Coon. So that looks like a pretty uh, pretty awesome lineup. I actually did see Bosworth wrestle at the Masters of the Ring Entertainment um, event on the 21st. He was actually part of the Battle Royal. And if you want to meet Tommy Dreamer, this is a great place to do it. So uh, bell time is at 4 o'clock, and I believe that was um, October 13th, if I remember correctly. Uh, boom. So that is it for local local events Uh, i'm sure there's a couple more out there but that event seemed more interesting than some of the other ones uh so let's get into the fan questions the q and a got two questions coming from last week i did not post a post this week asking for questions because i had a couple from last week that didn't answer and of course these are from the russell getting podcast mvp my boy carl crossland um who is asking first question is your favorite pay-per-view from every promotion god damn carl you want like every promotion, like, like every promotion, like NWA and like ECW and WWF, WCW, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Like, is, is that what you're asking me for? But I'm not. I'm not giving you every single promotion. I'll give you some, but not all. Of them. Uh, WWE uh, favorite promotion, uh, favorite pay per view is a Royal Rumble. Really love the Royal Rumble matchup. Uh, close second to that one was, of course, the King of the Ring. And a close third was the Survivor Series pay-per-views. WCW, Halloween Havoc, because I love Halloween time. And I really love the entrance stage every year for Halloween Havoc with some kind of graveyard setup. It was freaking awesome. It was amazing. Loved it. Um, ECW, November to Remember, was actually a pretty good one. Um, ECW didn't have like a whole lot of reoccurring pay-per-view themes though they seem to change them quite a bit but like i think guilty as charged was one that would um that would read that'd be like a reoccurring one or something like that but um november to remember was a pretty solid event and i really enjoyed some of those uh that's pretty much it so like those those are only three promotions that mattered anyway uh carl also asked besides hurricane superhero what is your favorite wrestling gimmick? Oh, that's that's a tough one, actually. Um, it, it's kind of hard. Um, 
I really enjoyed Mick Foley's Mankind. I thought that that gimmick was pretty awesome, and it just was kind of on the borderline of like terrifying. Um, I did quite enjoy that one. Uh, Doink the Clown was another fun one, um, especially when he became Evil Doink. That was that was lots of fun. Um, Sting's Crow gimmick was pretty good. I enjoyed that one, um, but I probably have to give it to. Um, Honestly, at the time, Goldust. Now that I think about it, Goldust would probably be one of my favorite wrestling gimmicks. It was something at the time when he when he debuted in WWF. It was something that really hadn't been done in the promotion before, and it was unique. It was different, and it kind of, especially during that time frame, was like the um, uh, lack of a better term to say this the the homoerotic type character that he was and just the way that he would play off of like the other wrestlers insecurities about his character and his gimmick. It it made it that much better, especially like during his feud with razor Ramon, where he had like the, the heart painted on his chest with razor on it, with the little arrow, like the little Cupid arrow and stuff for it. I mean, it was, it was gold. It was great, great storytelling. And it really did like kind of stick out because at the time there wasn't really anything going on like that. And like I said, that time frame, that the early nineties where, you know, there was a lot of, um, homophobic esque things going on, um, stuff like that. And it really did play up on that quite a bit. And that, that's one thing Vince is great at is picking something, taking something from that time frame, like those times and, tapping into it and using it to his advantage like he did with um sergeant Slaughter's heel turn where he became the um iraqi sympath or was it iraqi or iranian sympathizer one of the two where he became like you know the middle eastern sympathizer and became heel and probably had some one of the greatest runs um of his career as wwf champion you know going up against hulk hogan it was like a great matchup you know the whole fireball thing and things like that but um you know, I kind of got sidetracked on that one, but yeah, I'd probably have to go with Goldust as being one of my favorite gimmicks aside from uh, the Hurricane superhero. So, um, yeah, this is pretty solid questions, Carl. That's why you are the MVP of the Russell Gunn podcast. Everyone else can take note, ask some questions, get them answered, get my opinion, give me your opinion. What do you think was the best gimmick, wrestling gimmick out there? Shoot me, leave some comments on the, the promos for this episode or, you know, email me at com at gmail.com. And I'll, I'll read your answers um, on the next episode. But, um, yeah, so that's that's it for fan questions. Uh, we had a trivia question last week, uh, which was, when The Undertaker initially debuted before his main debut at Survivor Series, episode WWF Superstars, what was his ring name? If you knew the answer and you said Kane the Undertaker, go ahead and give yourself that old Barry Horowitz pat on the back because you, my friend, are correct. Um, yeah, so yeah, Undertaker, Kane the Undertaker. And later on, of course, we would get him, of course, he got rebranded to the Undertaker. And years later, we would get the, we would get Kane, which would be Glenn Jacobs' greatest character and would give him the most success in his WWF career outside of Dr. Isaac Yankum and the fake diesel. So, all right. So this week's trivia question, we're going to end the show with this. Um, I'm going to find a good one here. Here we go. At the 1988 SummerSlam, who interfered in the Rick Rude Junkyard Dog Match? So yeah, 1988 SummerSlam, who interfered in the Rick Rude versus Junkyard Dog match. So if you think you know the answer, you can go ahead and drop the answer below in the comments uh, for the promotion for any one of the for this episode anywhere on social media, or you can email it to askwrestlegeddonpodcast at gmail or not askwrestlegeddonpodcast askwrestlegeddon at gmail.com. I'll put in the subject line episode thirteen trivia question and go ahead and drop your answer. So that's all I got for you guys this week. Thank you so much for sticking with me. Um, I'm feeling much better. 
Thank you guys for not giving me shit about not having an episode last week. Appreciate it. And that's pretty much all I got for you. So I'll see you guys next week where we will continue the top 20 horror-themed wrestlers countdown. We'll get you your answer to the cool trivia questions, more fan questions, more Q&A, all that fun stuff, all kinds of wrestling goodness. And remember, folks, it is okay to be a fan of both WWE and AEW or every single wrestling promotion that's out there. It's okay. You don't have to pick a, pick a side. You don't have to draw battle lines. And with that being said, I look forward to chatting with you all next week. Peace. Much love. Watch as much wrestling as you can. Enjoy. It is a golden era. And I will talk to you all next week. Peace. Peace.